Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Hello, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to invest in your heart and in a life that is in alignment with your values. And I sincerely hope that today's podcast on acceptance will support you in your aspiration to live from your heart. For today, we're going to really focus on this incredibly important practice of acceptance. Identify exactly what I mean by that, by acceptance, defining it. Talk about the benefits. Identify what exactly we are accepting. Describe also the opposite of acceptance, which we could say is resistance and the cost of resistance, and then how to notice resistance, the signs and symptoms, and lastly, some practices that you can engage to help cultivate this incredibly important mm, consciousness. Really, it's a consciousness acceptance. Okay, let's dive in. Acceptance for me is an act of trust. Trust in yourself to be fully with the experience of the moment. Acceptance is an act of trust and faith in your own capacity to be present for any life experience. In reality, all you have is your experience of the moment. It's fun to try to define reality and what's out there, outside of you. But of course, you have incredible limits in what you can perceive. Even at the most Simple biological levels, we know, for example, there's a certain kind of shrimp in the ocean that perceives, I can't remember, I think it's nine times the amount of color that you can perceive with your eyes. That shrimp lives in a completely different world from us. And so, as we understand the limits of our own perception, we understand, ah, All I have is my experience. And because all I have is my experience, the relationship to your experience is is the basis on which your life is formed. Because all you have is your experience, your relationship to your experience is your most central 
relationship in your life. It's the most important thing you can cultivate. It's that relationship with your own experience. Because it is in that relationship that you either find a door open to wisdom and love or you find the door closes with resistance and anger and guilt and all the various ways we imagine that we cannot be with the experience of the moment. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let's go back to really understanding acceptance before we dive into these other pieces. We are here in this incarnated physical form to love, to learn to love, and to evolve our consciousness and our capacities. And acceptance is a primary gateway that supports that central purpose of our life. There's a quote by Carl Rogers that my friend Fair Matteo reminded me of recently. Carl Rogers says this, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself, just as I am, then I change. The curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I change. That's an incredibly powerful statement. This means that acceptance is actually the foundation for the change you want to see in your own personal life and the change that you want to support in the world. Wow, I just can't imagine anything more important to understand in the realm of transformation than this practice of acceptance and understanding it fully. So let's dive in there. Let's talk a little bit more about what I'm pointing to when I use that word. The first and most important distinction, perhaps, is that acceptance is not passivity. It's not passivity. It's not giving away your power. It's not power under. It's not resignation. It's not collapse. It's really important that we make that distinction. Because, of course, it's the very opposite. When we truly enter into acceptance, there's an expansion that happens in you that actually gives you access to your power, your agencies, your agency, the flow of love and wisdom in your life. Acceptance if we define acceptance mm, as a verb, then we can say that acceptance is the act of expanding your perspective even just a little bit beyond your experience in the moment. 
So in our daily life, this could mean, let's say you have a backache. And in that moment, your mind is wrapped around, why do I have this backache? And, oh, it's so painful. And I'm so helpless in the face of it. Why is this happening to me? And then in a given moment, you just expand a little bit beyond that dialogue some part of you is having with your pain. And you say, ah, oh, I accept that this pain is here right now. And I accept that the parts of me are arguing, not wanting this experience. I accept my own resistance to my back pain. You can infinitely do that, right? You can infinitely accept any reaction to your own experience as well as the experience itself. There's a type of peak experience which we might say is the embodiment of acceptance. So when we're in the peak experience that we call being in the zone or unity consciousness, those are experiences in which for those moments that you're there, all resistance has dropped away. You are utterly in acceptance of your experience and utterly in trust of the flow. Whether you're doing sports or giving a presentation or whatever it might be in the zone or a moment of meditation, that's a moment of complete alignment with what's happening and zero resistance. For most of us, those experiences are pretty rare. But I believe they're helpful kind of as a lighthouse, a reference point. Ah, this is what I'm capable of. I am capable of that. Not as a standard to compare yourself against that you're failing when you're not there, of course. But rather an inspiration about what's possible. And there we have that sense of something greater, right? We have that sense of, ah, spiritual practice. It may be unusual to think of a moment of playing basketball and you're absolutely in the zone, right? You're in the flow and you can't miss a shot and your passes are perfect and your timing is perfect. It may be unusual to think of that as a spiritual experience. And at the same time, if we're defining spiritual experience as a sense of unity and full acceptance of the flow of life, why wouldn't those moments of being in the zone in a basketball game be a spiritual experience? For me, they would be. You may have that in playing music or writing poetry, doing art, or even as you're helping someone, a moment of complete flow. So in this way, when we're living in acceptance with our own experience, we're engaging in a spiritual practice.
Let's look briefly at some of the benefits of cultivating this ability to enter into the flow of life, to meet your own experience with acceptance. When this is happening, you recognize it. And some of the things you recognize are a greater sense of peace and equanimity, an openness in which compassion and wisdom flow. And when I say wisdom, I mean this discerning wisdom about responding to life in a way that is skillful. Again, let's keep making this distinction that acceptance is not accepting everything in a way of passivity or approving or agreeing. Acceptance opens the door that, so that you can discern, ah, actually, I am not willing to listen to someone's criticism of me. The tone of voice they're using, the words they're choosing does not serve life. And so I'm going to set a boundary, exit this conversation with a firm groundedness in what serves life and what doesn't serve life. That's an example of acceptance too. Setting a boundary can come from the wisdom of acceptance. So one of the benefits of practicing acceptance is that you have that access to your skills, like setting boundaries, for instance. Also, the practice of acceptance opens doors to creativity and flexibility, makes space for your authentic expression to come forward with confidence, and of course, naturally opens the door to gratitude. At the very least, when you're engaged in acceptance, you're grateful that you can accept because acceptance practice immediately provides relief from suffering. And perhaps that's the most obvious benefit. Acceptance practice immediately provides relief from suffering because suffering arises from resistance. And acceptance is the opposite of resistance, as we'll talk about more later. So in that moment of accepting your own experience, whatever it is, ah, naturally you feel a sense of gratitude. Ah, for returning to connection with yourself and with the experience of the moment. Okay, let's focus on what exactly we are accepting. Let's get really clear about that. And I believe as we get clear about that, it will also help you to continue to make this important distinguish, distinction between acceptance and resignation or agreement or passivity. As I've already mentioned, the only thing you have is your experience, really. And so, of course, when we talk about acceptance, we're really talking about accepting your own experience of something. 
either inside of you or outside of you. So in that case, we have all the categories of experience to help us break down mm, this practice of acceptance of experience. Categories of experience include thoughts, feelings, needs, desires, impulses, words, behavior, body sensations, memories, images, and so on. Breaking down your experience into categories is just a way for you to help notice what's happening in your experience. And so it just wakes you up a little bit. Oh, I'm having this impulse too, right? And as soon as an experience arises, you might have a critic come running to meet that experience. Don't have that impulse. You shouldn't have an impulse like that. That's a bad impulse. So then you're faced with two things. Well, two opportunities to accept, right? You can accept the impulse itself and you can accept some part of you being in reaction to that impulse, trying to push it away. And so that's the second way to divide up experience is to say, oh, there's different parts of me different voices, or you could say different networks of experience. But I think a lot of people talk in terms of parts. There's a part of me that. There's a part of me that wants to go this way and a part of me that wants to go that way. When we talk about internal conflict, we're talking about different parts of ourselves that are typically trying to protect a particular need or value. And when we have a conflict, usually what's happening is one part of ourself is attached to a certain way of protecting a certain need or value. And the other part is attached to a different way of protecting its own need or value. And that attachment to a certain way has us be stuck, right? Instead of seeing the needs underneath, and trusting multiple ways to care for those needs. We attach to strategies that are in conflict. So you have this opportunity to notice different parts of experience and then to notice your own reaction to your experience and accept both. And then we have what we call external stimuli, right? I say that kind of with a caveat that, of course, everything that's external to you is going through your own filter. So the external immediately becomes the internal. Anyway, when you notice things, objects, like food or like an image that you don't like, you have an experience of aversion or unpleasantness, basically. And so right there, you have an opportunity to accept 
oh, this is unpleasant for me. I don't like it. That's okay. Usually it doesn't stop there. It takes incredible mindfulness to notice something unpleasant and be at peace with an experience of unpleasantness. Most of us aren't living with that level of mindfulness. So we could say there's almost always two steps to acceptance. Noticing the experience and noticing our reaction to the experience. You notice something you don't like outside of you, a person, a thing, whatever it might be. You notice your aversive response, you accept that. And you notice your reaction to your response, which may be impulses to get away or to judge, to push away that thing or person. You may, your reaction to your experience might be to generate thoughts that stimulate hate and anger. So it's incredibly important to accept both. Ah, I don't like, right? And we say we have so many beautiful things happening in the world that we do like, that don't get reported on the news at the frequency that I would enjoy. And we have horrors and atrocities occurring all over the world. And as the news presents us with the truth of those things happening that are violent, harmful, painful, we have an experience. And if we're just with our experience without being led away into the path of resisting our own experience, then usually we move from the initial shock of what's happening to an intense grief, care, and compassion, which then leads to our values around caring for life, which then leads us to take an action to care for life in a particular way. When we see something, let's just stay with on the news. When you see something on the news and it stimulates shock and you notice you wish that wasn't happening and you're not able to be mindful of your own experience of that event, then typically your mind goes right to resistance. And the most common form of resistance is judgment. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And so right there, as you start to judge or feel angry, you're accepting that reaction. Ah, hmm. this is a lot and I'm resisting this experience. Right now, a part of me doesn't trust I can be with. Right? Essentially, resistance to your own experience is a part of you that's saying, We can't be with this. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the capacity. Something bad will happen if you stay present for it. Push it away, push it away, push it away. Okay, that's okay. There's a part of you that doesn't trust 
your capacity yet. That's all right. We accept that, that part. So let's go more deeply into resistance and recognizing it. We're framing here that resist, resistance as the opposite of acceptance. And mostly we're, refra- we're framing resistance, you know, not in the social movement sort of way where resistance has a positive connotation of setting a boundary. Here in the intrapersonal level, I'm using this word to connote reactivity. Reactivity and fear of your own experience. Essentially, when you're resisting, you're engaging in mental, energetic, emotional, or physical, or all at once, actions that involve pulling away, turning away, tensing against some aspect of your experience. And so resistance can have layers and layers, right? There's layers you can notice and layers you don't notice that are so habitual that you may not have access yet to interrupt them with your loving acceptance. So we've already named a few examples of resistance, really common ones that you recognize every day the first of which is judgment. And in other podcasts I've talked about, this I learned this from my friend Fermateo as, all, as well, that we can quickly replace a judgment with, I don't like that. And you can see how we're moving closer to the moment of perception when we say that. The judgment, that's bad, let's take the most simple judgment possible, is one layer up from, I don't like that, right? And one layer more core than that is this is unpleasant, yeah? And then in very deep levels of acceptance, equanimity, deep, deep concentration, we just recognize experience and we don't add pleasant unpleasant neutral to it that's the deepest level of acceptance very very rare in our life experience okay so if you notice a judgment that's bad they shouldn't right the word should is a sure sign that you are in judgment. And again, we're not, it's not about what would be more skillful and a hundred out of a hundred judges would agree that person should do it this way because if they did it that way, it would serve life. It's not about that end of the sentence in which what really serves life or not. The initial should is already blocking wisdom and compassion. It's pushing against what's happening. So a simple practice is just every time you hear yourself say the word should, 
you can just say, I don't like that. I wish it were different. Right? That's an example of a sentence of acceptance, a simple practice. We're jumping ahead to practices. Let's look at some more examples of resistance before we jump there. Body tension. We tense against what we don't like, right? When it's really cold out, your body tenses. That may have some biological function. I'm not really sure. Personally, my own experience is that when I tense against the cold, I feel colder. I imagine because my tense muscles are inhibiting blood flow to my limbs. Perhaps they're shuttling blood to my chest, I don't know, as a survival response. That's maybe a more fundamental form of resistance is body tension. But we also see it with emotional interactions. You receive a hug, you're not sure if you deserve that hug or if it's genuine, you start to question it. All that's resistance and your body tenses with those doubts and insecurities. When we're defending, we're resisting an idea that we are wrong or that someone thinks we're wrong. And of course, you're going to resist an idea that you're wrong or bad. That whole circle of thought, someone thinks I'm wrong and bad, I think I'm wrong and bad, I need to resist it. That's a reactive cycle that doesn't lead you to the truth of your goodness. Yeah, a lot of our habits are like that, right? A lot of our habits of resistance have this intention to take care of us, but they don't actually meet any needs. Guilt. Guilt, anger, shame, and shutdown are meant to be emotions that wake you up to an unmet need. They're not meant to hang out for long periods of time. When they hang out, that's a form of resisting the flow of life. We'll talk more about that when we get to practices. And then there's the lighter versions of everyday life, which are so common. Complaining, bits of irritation and frustration. Those are all daily examples of resistance. Every time you complain, you can say, ah, I'm complaining. Ah, that's okay, I'm human. I do that sometimes. Right, again, even as we say what resistance is, we're not trying to eradicate it because that would be another form of resistance. Containing, bottling up, repressing thoughts, emotions, that's a form of resistance. It's not about, don't repress, say everything that comes to you, right? It's not like that. It's about the choice to tighten up about a thought that comes to you and hold it in, or the choice to recognize, oh, I have this thought and the impulse to say it out loud. Before I say it out loud, let me just notice where it comes from and what I hope I'll create when I say this out loud. Will it actually be helpful or not? That's the opposite of repression and, and resisting your own expression. 
Lastly, I'll name that a lack of gratitude is a form of resistance. Mm. Perhaps an incredibly, incredibly important form of resistance as we examine an economy and systems of money and markets that rest on the assumption of greed. And greed rests on the assumption of a separate self. That is an incredibly violent concept. The idea that you exist independently from the rest of the world, utterly independently, goes down the path of I deserve. I earned it. I deserve this house. I deserve this car. I worked hard for it. I don't need to feel grateful. I feel grateful to myself for working my ass off. Oofa. That is a coarse and callous view of life. It only leads to violence and apathy. Gratitude is an acknowledgement of you haven't done anything by yourself. There's nothing you've done in life that is by yourself. Thousands and thousands of people have built roads for you to drive on, computers for you to work on, planted trees and grasses so you can have oxygen to breathe. It's endless, right? So we have this incredibly delicately balanced situation of you are an utterly unique expression of life and you are utterly interdependent. And gratitude for that interdependence is a form of acceptance. And a lack of gratitude is resistance of that truth. That's so important. So when we are lost in habits of resistance, we lose the very nature of who we are. An interdependent being, utterly unique in the universe, made from love and held in love, and with the capacity to radiate love. When you are lost in habits of resistance, you lose access to the natural flow of joy and wisdom and clarity. It's a very costly way to live life. And you know the symptoms of being lost in resistance. There's that tension, that impatience, irritation, sense of stress, depression, a tiredness that isn't that satisfying tiredness from a full day of work, 
a tiredness of living, a collapse, a fogginess, a righteousness, a refusal to take a risk or try something new, a vocabulary that has words like should, have to, duty, obligation, deserve, push, convince, feelings like shame, anger, guilt. When you're caught in resistance, these things are obvious and common in your life. So let's look at how to interrupt those habits of resistance with some practical and concrete interventions. Of course, with any practice and any skill that I teach, the first step is awareness. And that's what we've been cultivating so far in this podcast, right? Cultivating awareness of what acceptance is, what its opposite is, what it feels like and looks like. First step. Second step. Once you recognize resistance, there's a variety of ways to interrupt that habit and return to cultivate acceptance. A simple one that I really love for dialogue is this act of saying yes. Whenever you personally are doing something you don't like or someone is criticizing you or saying, I don't like what you do. It'd be nice if people only said, I don't like that. That would be simpler. But usually it involves complex criticisms. And when you hear those criticisms, you never listen. You're always late. Whatever they are, you can immediately transform that moment into a moment of acceptance, or at least moving in the direction of acceptance by saying, yes, sometimes I am late, or often I am late. Yes, sometimes I forget my appointments. Yes, sometimes I, and then fill in the blank. You could use sometimes or often, whatever the truth is for you. You're immediately accepting something you don't like by naming. This is something that happens, it's true. That's of course not the end of the conversation. Hopefully you enter into repair a repair dialogue with yourself or the other person. But that immediate training yourself that when you hear an accusation, whether it's from yourself or someone else, you immediately say, yes. Yes, sometimes I do that. Ah, Even when I say that out loud right now, I can feel relaxation. Another practice is setting your intention for a day to notice a particular sign of resistance. And every time you catch that resistance, you do a body practice like taking a deep breath or doing a stretch, relaxing tension in your face or dropping your shoulders. 
Even if that tension immediately returns, the moment you interrupt a habit of resistance, you're already a superhero. That's already a tremendous feat of focus and mindfulness. Something to celebrate. I teach a practice of anchoring. Of course, any anchor can be used to interrupt a moment of resistance. Any practice of self-compassion is a practice of interrupting resistance. Yes, sometimes I is a practice of self-compassion and acceptance. Also, maybe putting your heart on your hand on your heart and just taking a breath. Ooh, this is hard, right? Just allowing a challenge to be challenging in the moment. This is hard and bringing a warm tone. Hmm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm suffering right now. This is hard. Receiving empathy interrupts resistance. For me, empathy is the most reliable strategy if I have a very, a particularly stuck situation in my head where I'm just spinning around in resistance. Empathy really helps to release that and return me to what I care about. Shared humanity asking others, oh, has this happened to you? And just, just hearing someone else say, yes, I made that mistake before. Oh, yeah. Many of us make that kind of mistake. That's something that happens. Ooh, that shared humanity really helps with just accepting like, ah, yep. You also made that mistake. That's a part of being human. It's okay. It's okay because you learn from that. And next time you have just a little bit more awareness about how to make that mistake again <laughs> and notice what's happening, maybe to do something different, maybe to practice with acceptance. Lastly, I'll leave you with this practice. If you're someone who writes or journals, or maybe even if you have a regular empathy buddy, you can make time in those sessions for a series of finishing the sentence, I accept. In your journal, you could just start writing, I accept, and then whatever comes next, you write that, and then you just start again, I accept, I accept. You can do that intuitively, just seeing how long you can go. Or perhaps you can, if you want a little more structure, you can say every day for the next month, I'm going to write three sentences in my journal that start with I accept and whatever comes, comes. Or perhaps you have three specific things that you want to bring acceptance to. There's a variety of structures you might set up for yourself there. If you have an empathy buddy, you might say, after mind, you have a little period of mindfulness, and after mindfulness, you can say to your buddy, 
What if we start with three things we're accepting today about ourselves or our experience of the world around us either way? Those are a couple ideas for acceptance practice. Hmm. So let's go back and just summarize what we talked about today as we move towards a close. First, we defined acceptance as an act of trust that you have the capacity and the support you need to be with your experience. And we defined the embodiment of acceptance as those peak experiences of being in the zone or in unity consciousness in which there is no resistance. We talked about the benefits of acceptance, equanimity, peace, and perhaps most importantly, opening the door for love and growth. Understanding that acceptance is the foundation for our very purpose in life to learn to love and to evolve. So, so important. And we talked about various things we can accept, various aspects of your own experience, various parts of yourself, your experience of events and people and things in the world. And that as we accept these things, we come home to our deepest values and the wisdom and compassion to take action on those values, those universal needs. We talked about the signs of resistance as the opposite of acceptance and accepting resistance, of course. And then lastly, we talked about practices for cultivating greater acceptance. Talked about the in-the-moment practice of, yes, sometimes I show up late. Sometimes I, right, that immediate acceptance of our mistakes or things we do that we don't prefer. We talked about setting your intention to notice a moment of resistance and engage in a specific practice, such as relaxation practice or a mantra or anchoring or self-compassion. And we talked about asking for empathy as an antidote to resistance, asking for empathy or asking for shared humanity And then lastly, we talked about an explicit practice of saying to yourself or to someone else, I accept, and then filling in the blank. 
as a repetitive practice or even a practice in the moment. I accept. And relaxing and expanding. Knowing that acceptance is not passivity. In fact, the very opposite. It's a courageous act of engagement in the life that is in the moment. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for all you do to fulfill your purpose in life and to bring love and joy and acceptance. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can find free resources and information about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue, as well as Wise Heart's live offerings and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with Wise Heart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.